my parents in my middle school or my mid-child years were somewhat neutral on church attendance, as I've shared with you. Uh, when we did go, we were in late and out early, and we definitely weren't every week attenders. We did have some spiritual elements in our home, and Friday night was that time for us. My dad would read to us. This is where I first heard the Chronicles of Narnia. My dad, every Friday night, read to us through that series by C.S. Lewis, The Chronicles of Narnia. It's where I heard Uncle Arthur's bedtime stories and had that wonderful theology built into me that if you disobey, you get hit by cars or <laughs> fall downstairs. Those of you who laughed, read those same books. But what I liked best about Friday night in our house was the music. My dad would always put on music. He loves music still to this day. It's where I got my love for Southern gospel, much to the chagrin of my wife, Bill Gaither Trio and, and the Imperials and the Gaither Vocal Band. And of course, we listened to the Harridge Singers and, and Evie. Do you remember Evie? Are you tired of chasing? It's the height of foolishness to try to sing after Javier, so I will just stop right there. <laughs> And of course, Sandy Patty. We went to Sandy Patty concerts and had the albums. And we lift the needle on the record. Do you remember doing this? The records? You lift the needle on the record to try to get it on the line at the just the right for your favorite song. And we lift that needle to try to get it just right. And all those songs. And one of our favorites always was the Via Del Rosa. So thank you, Javier, for singing that for us. And welcome back to the East. We love you, and we're glad to have you here with us. The Via del Rosa, the route in Jerusalem, which Christ is believed to have followed from the judgment hall of Pilate to Calvary. And now they say that route goes all the way to his burial site. It is the tradition, it is the custom of Franciscans that, that live there to, to practice through their Catholic traditions Every Friday, devotions along this road, 14 stations, as they call it, stations of the cross within the Catholic tradition. As the original path is covered by century of debris and, and newly constructed streets and buildings, obviously the original route is subject to debate over the exact location, over the exact stones that Jesus walked across. But we know that Jesus did walk a road from Pilate's Hall to Calvary. All four Gospels reference Jesus in some capacity making his way along the road, the Via Dolorosa, the way of suffering. Luke spends the most time talking about this walk, this journey. He relates words that Jesus spoke to the women that were along the way weeping and, and crying over what was happening. Luke also mentions a man by the name of Simon of Cyrene, who at some point we know when Jesus fell and was, was burdened by the, the physical weight of the cross, that when he fell underneath it, that Simon of Cyrene was chosen and that, that that crossbar was put upon his shoulder, the crossbar that criminals were required to carry up to their place of crucifixion where there a post was laid and, 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 and they were, the crossbar was attached to that reused post and the criminals were nailed 
into the bar and then it was dropped, I'm sure without caution, into a hole, jarring the body of the criminals. And Simon picked that up at some point and carried that for Jesus. Simon is mentioned in all three of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Mark even gives us a little more information about Simon. Mark tells us that Simon had just come in from the countryside. He was lived down in the country, had just come in from the countryside, and that he had two sons, Alexander and Rufus. So obviously there was, there was an impact on this family, and this family became a part of the, the Christian community. Ellen White in the book Desire of Ages says that bearing the cross to Calvary was a blessing to Simon, and he was ever after grateful for this providence. It led him to take upon himself the cross of Christ from choice and ever cheerfully stand beneath its burden. All three of the synoptic gospels spend a fair bit of time talking about the Via del Rosa. But there is one of the four books, one of the four biographies of Jesus, one of the four narratives that doesn't mention the women wailing for Jesus. It doesn't mention Jesus falling under the weight of the cross. It doesn't mention Simon of Cyrene or his sons, Alexander and Rufus. In the Gospel of John, we see only one line that relates to the Via Dolorosa. If you want to open your Bibles with me to the book of John chapter 19, John chapter 19, we're going to be in John and we're going to flip around in John all morning but we're going to start in John chapter 19. And there's one line that, that references Jesus making his way along that road to the cross. And there's one phrase in particular in that reference that I want us to think about today. John chapter 19, and I'll begin in verse 16. John chapter 19 and beginning in verse 16. Finally, Pilate handed Jesus over to them to be crucified. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus and carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. That's the only reference to this road that Jesus took up to Calvary. He went out to the place of the skull, carrying his own cross. This is the one line in the book of John connected to the Via Dolorosa. No ladies. No children of Simon, no Simon himself, just Jesus carrying his own cross. Now we know from the other three records on this moment that, that Jesus did not carry his cross the whole way. We know from the other three histories that are given, at least not the entire way. So why doesn't John mention that someone helped him with that cross? Why doesn't John mention this? In fact, John not only mentions it, but, but John is actually emphatic. He's emphatic in expressing that Jesus carried the cross himself. The Greek communicates this in a way that English doesn't. It, it says, Jesus carried his own cross. And then there's an emphatic word that means himself, exclamation. John is insistent about how Jesus went down this road carrying the cross for himself. We can get caught up in the narrative of the Bible stories sometimes, forgetting that there was a divine inspiration behind these stories, that, 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 that they were writing for a specific purpose. The Holy Spirit, when he inspired the writers of the Bible, 
and speaking specifically here of the gospels, he was not just inspiring them to write good narrative so that we one day could have felts to put on our Sabbath school boards. There was a purpose behind his divine inspiration. These, these stories, within these stories, there's woven uh, inspired narrative to communicate principles on living, to per, to communicate Christology, the study of Christ, to, to communicate theology, the study of God, to communicate ecclesiology, the study of the church, to communicate missiology, the study of missions, to communicate one of our favorites as Seventh-day Adventists, eschatology, the study of end-time things. He was not just telling stories, and, and, and each writer had a different, different emphasis in their writing. And John drives a theme throughout his book, known as the Gospel of John that we are in today. And we want to look at this theme this morning. This theme this morning of why did John so emphatically communicate that Jesus on that way of suffering carried his own cross himself? Exclamation. Turn your Bibles with me to John chapter 1 when we are first introduced in a way to this theme. John chapter 1 and verse 29. John chapter 1 and verse 29. And here John, the author, is writing about another John who is speaking, John the Baptist. And the Bible says, the next day John, that's John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Right in the very first chapter of John's writing, he is communicating Jesus's clear mission and intention from the get-go. He has come to take away the sin of the world. He's come to deal with the sin problem in this world. Jesus was in this world for that mission. John chapter 3, he reiterates this again. We see this point again. John chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. In John chapter 3, this is the story of when Jesus goes to meet with a religious ruler by the name of Nicodemus. And Nicodemus is embarrassed because some of his friends are not too keen on Jesus and they want Jesus to be quiet. But Nicodemus is curious about Jesus. And so he goes to meet with Jesus in, in the, in, at the nighttime, in the dark hours where no one will see him. And we get, of course, our beloved verse, John three sixteen here. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. And my favorite verse, which is after it, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. But the verses just before that, the verses just before that, listen to what they say, Jesus speaking. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. What is Jesus doing here? He's referencing a story from the Old Testament, from the time of Moses. You might remember this, the, the, the children of Israel have rebelled against God. They have sinned and, and, and they've begun to get a disease and this plague upon them. And there's, there's snakes biting them and all these things that are happening and and Moses is told to take a snake and put it on a post and they are all to look at this snake. And by looking at this snake, which represents their sin, represents the symbol of their sin, they are healed. And Jesus is now communicating to this religious teacher. I have to be lifted up. I have to be the one to bear that sin and people look upon me 
to be healed because I am the Lamb of God who's come into the world to take care of sin. John, the author of this book, writing again about some words from John the Baptist in chapter three also, verses 34 and 35. For the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God for God, gives a spirit without limit. The father loves the son and has placed to everything in his hands. Whoever believes in the son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the son will not see life. Whoever believes in the son will have eternal life. In chapter four, Jesus continues to remind us of this narrative that he is the one that takes care of the sin problem. He is the one that gives us hope. He is the one that gives us eternal life. We find Jesus in chapter four of John talking to a Samaritan woman. It was a scandalous thing. One, she was a Samaritan. Two, she was a woman there by herself. And Jesus is talking to this woman. And we find out from Jesus, in fact, that this woman has a a a hole in her heart, a gap in her life. And, and she has tried to fill that gap in her life with sin, with sinful relationships. At one point, Jesus says to her, woman, go and call your husband. And him saying woman was not disrespectful like it would be nowadays. It was a, just a greeting. But he says, woman, go and call your husband. And she says, I don't have a husband. He says, you speak truly because you actually have had five husbands and the man that you are with right now is not your husband. This woman has this sin problem in her life. And Jesus is trying to communicate with her in that moment by that well that he is the only one that can deal with her sin problem. Jesus tells her using the metaphor of water that, 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 that he can take care of her sin issue. He can take care of the pain that drives her to sin. John chapter four. In John chapter four, we read that Jesus said, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. This is verse 13. But whoever drinks the water, I give them. Jesus now is speaking of him being the only one to give them this water. I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus is on a mission to deal with sin. And in story after story, Jesus is communicating this message. I'm the one that deals with your sin. I'm the one that deals with your pain. I'm the one that can overcome sin in your life again and again and again. No one is forcing Jesus to do this. He is choosing to take care of the sin problem himself. In John chapter 10, Jesus communicates this very clearly. John chapter 10, verses 17 and 18. Very clearly, Jesus says to us, John chapter 10, verses 17 and 18. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one, Jesus says, verse 18, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and the authority to take it up again. Jesus says, no one is forcing me to do this for you, but I choose my own free volition to do this act of service for you. He lays down his own life. It is his choice. He chose to do that for you and for me. As the song said, out of his great love for us, you know, throughout history, we've looked for who to blame about Jesus dying. 
the atrocities that have happened to the Jewish people over history, at times this has been used as an excuse. They were the ones that killed Jesus. Others say it's the Romans. We all in some theological way understand that our sins put Jesus on the cross. But, but we need to understand this, that it was Jesus's choice out of his love for you and for me that ultimately took him to that cross. I lay down my own life of my own accord. Jesus predicting his death in John chapter 12. Jesus predicting his death in John chapter 12. We read Jesus, he asked this, this rhetorical question. He's starting to feel this moment approaching and, it, and, and even though he's making the choice, it's still a heavy moment upon him. And in John chapter 12 and verse 27, it says, now my soul is troubled and what shall I say? He's asking a question, a rhetorical question. Father, save me from this hour. He's saying, should I, should I, should I ask you to, to, to take this burden of this cross away from me? No, it was for this reason, he says, I came to this hour. Why did I come? The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Woman, only I can provide you with the water that will heal your sin problem. That will heal your sin problem. I am the one that chooses to lay down my life. I will continue to move forward even though this burden is getting strong on my shoulders. Just a couple weeks ago, we had communion service. And at Seventh-day Adventist, we practice and participate in foot washing. We believe this is an important part of this service. And it was the first time that we had done it since COVID, and it was beautiful. I loved the privilege of, of serving another and having someone serve me in that capacity. But we read there in, in, uh, in John chapter 13 about Jesus washing his disciples' feet. And in one of my favorite books, which I've already quoted from in Desire of Ages, page 651, Ellen White made this statement. In washing the feet of his disciples, Christ gave evidence, listen to this, Christ gave evidence that he would do any service, any service, however humble, that would make them heirs with him of eternal wealth of heaven's treasures, of the eternal wealth of heaven's treasures. But one of his disciples, one of his disciples, Peter, had a problem with this moment. In John chapter 13 and verse eight, G Peter says to Jesus, no, no, you shall never wash my feet. And what does Jesus say back to Peter? He says, if I do not do this for you, then you will have, you can have no part with me. What was Jesus meaning in that moment? He wasn't saying that, that foot washing saves you. He wasn't saying that, 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 that if we do foot washing, then we're gonna be saved by that act. No, what Jesus is communicating is he's talking about the larger principle of what foot washing represents, that only he is able to wash away our sins. Only he is able to fix our sin problem. We need to hear this, folks, because some of us think that we can fix our sin problem, but it's only Jesus. Then we come to the moment when Jesus is arrested. He's in a garden known as the Garden of Gethsemane in John chapter 18. He's in a garden known as the Garden of Gethsemane. And one of Jesus' followers has betrayed him, has turned him over to, to the leaders there who were looking for an opportunity to take, to arrest Jesus. And in John chapter 18 and verse three, 
The Bible tells us Judas came to the garden, that was the man of the betrayer, guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and the Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am he, Jesus said. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. And again, he asked them, who is it that you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they said. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. If you are looking for me, then let these men go. The Bible then tells us that that one of the disciples decided to be a tough guy. He decided to step in and help Jesus out because, you know, Jesus thinks he's big enough to deal with the sin problem, but I need to help him out. And Peter thought, I need to help Jesus out in this moment. And so he said to him, so Peter, the Bible tells us, Simon Peter, verse 10, took out his sword and struck the high priest's servant's ear, cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. And Jesus says this, listen to what Jesus said to him. Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given to me? I will drink this cup. What Jesus is saying to Peter right now, just to put it in our own terms, is you need to stand down. This moment is too big for you. This moment is too big for you. My first year at Southern, actually, sorry, not my first year. My first year after I graduated from Southern Adventist University, I stayed there and I worked as the assistant chaplain at Southern Adventist University. And I was working on a project. And in the midst of that project, I got a little sideways with university administration. I know none of you can believe that I would get sideways with anybody, but I got a little sideways with university administration. And I came in to my boss, Ken Rogers, who was the chaplain at Southern Adventist University at the time. And I told him about the situation. I told him, hey, just a heads up. This is what's going on. They're not too pleased. We talked about it. And then Ken stood up and he said, okay, I will go and deal with this. And, and I said to Ken, no, 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 I got this. I got this. I'll, I'll take care of it. It was a serious issue, but I was, I was young and sure I could carry the burden. And, and Ken looked at me in that moment and said, Chad, step out of the way and let me handle it from here. Now, some of you know who Ken Rogers is and, and the tone of voice that I heard Ken speak that day was a tone I'd never heard before. And, and, and the look in his eyes was a look I'd never seen before. And I realized, even though I was the creator of this issue, I was the problem, I was the one who, who caused the issue, that it was now too big for me. And throughout the book of John, this is what he is trying to communicate to us. And that's why we come finally to John chapter 19 and verse 17. And John says to us, Jesus is carrying the cross himself, period. Jesus is carrying the cross himself, period. You and I can walk the Via Della Rosa as tourists. The Franciscan monks and the Franciscan people can, can walk the Via Della Rosa as a, as a spiritual uh, discipline on their own. Uh, uh, Simon could carry the crossbar for Jesus 
physically carry the crossbar for Jesus down the Via Della Rosa, but there is only one person that could truly carry the cross of sin all the way to Via Della Rosa to Calvary, and that is Jesus Christ. It's not you. It's not me. It's us. And John wants us to know the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world is now doing just that because only he can. You need to hear that. And I need to hear this. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of your world and my world. You and I will die under the weight of our sin if we try to carry it on our own, if we try to manage it ourselves. You will die if you try to figure out your own way and your own sins for yourselves. You may have heard it said that to be a follower of Jesus, that that you must take up the cross and follow him. Know why you heard that? Because Jesus said it. And it's true. We have to take up our cross and follow Jesus. But when Jesus said that, he was not talking about the cross of sin. Jesus was talking about taking up the cross of total surrender. Jesus was talking about taking up the cross of of denying self and embracing Jesus. Jesus was talking about taking up the cross of, of suffering that goes along in this world of being a follower of Jesus. He was not talking about this cross. So when we bend down to pick up our crosses, let's make sure we are not picking up the wrong one and trying on our own to deal with our sins. Jesus was talking about the cross of salvation, or John was talking about the cross of salvation. And we need to hear this because we still have a problem with trying to carry our own cross of salvation. And if you don't believe me, think about this. If you've ever thought to yourself, I need to fix this, whatever this is in your life, and then Jesus will accept me. I need to change this about myself, whatever this is, and then I will be better prepared to be saved. I need to to work out this for myself, and then I can come to Jesus. If you've ever gone to bed at night worried that you were not good enough for Jesus, worried that you were not good enough to be saved, if you were raised with this thought in your mind, if my name comes up in the records, I hope, I wish my parents would give me the last name of a Z. That's all I want. Jesus wants us to hear this right now. That Jesus carried the cross himself all the way to Calvary because you and I, the sinners, cannot carry that cross. You've made the mess. I've made the mess. We have issues in this world. And now Jesus stands up and says, it's time for you to step aside and let me deal with this because I'm the only one who can. Lord Jesus, 
Right now, I pray that you will convict our hearts to allow you to be the Lord and the Savior that you are. That we will embrace truly all of the good news. And the good news is this. Though we have made the mess, you stand up and say, it's too big for you. Let me deal with it. We thank you for that, Jesus. We thank you that that John reminds us that only Jesus and Jesus alone can carry the cross of our sins. Only he can fix the sin problem in this world. Only he can fix the sin problem in my brothers' and sisters' lives. Only he can fix the sin problem in my own heart. Only he can give us the assurance of salvation that comes in knowing this truth, that Jesus and Jesus alone already carried that cross and forgiveness is ours if we will simply receive it. Lord, help us to receive that forgiveness and help us to receive that trust and help us to receive that hope and help us to get out of the way and allow you, Jesus, to be our savior. In your name we pray, amen.